Hi, this is Embodion X, and welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. Today's guest is, is a photographer who I discovered as part of my research for my latest book, the Adobe Photoshop Masterclass. And as I've mentioned before, I spent a lot of time going through a lot of different websites and, and various resources trying to find photographers who I felt were using the application of Photoshop in really unique ways and making really interesting images. And one of the things that I really like uh, about certain images is, is a sense of, of whimsy. I think it goes back to when I was a young child and I would like to read these sort of fantastical novels that were sort of set rooted in, in the real world, but there was just something a little off to it. And the images of, of Martin Roche uh, really sort of exemplify that, in which she combines vintage pictures of, of people, portraits, and then she uh, introduces the element of the animal head or animal figure. And when you see the images, I think they're, they're really well-crafted, but I really like the fact that there's some, some humor and some oddity to it. And a lot of people may have done this before. She's probably not, not easily not the, the first person to do it, but she really has a personal investment, and you really get that when you take a look at, at the pictures. You can't help but, but look at them and linger on the photographs in a way that I think a lot of images sort of just miss the mark. And uh, I have a lot of fun with her images, and I think a lot of photography out there takes themselves a little bit too seriously. And I just like that her photographs exemplify exemplify just a lot of joy. And it's just lovely to see, and it's lovely to have the opportunity to share my conversation with you with today's guest, Martine Roche. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy and fast to create a professional website, blog, portfolio, and now an online store. Squarespace introduces a new commerce solution that allows you to instantly create a store and start selling your work. Squarespace Commerce provides a powerful and flexible e-commerce solution integrated to work with every Squarespace template, allowing sales for both physical and digital goods. For example, you can sell photographs, music CDs, MP3s, hardcover books, or eBooks. Fast merchant account setup so that you can accept payments right away, credit card or debit cards. Single interface for order management, tracking orders, providing customer email updates, printing, shipping labels, and adding coupons. Squarespace Commerce is included with a business plan subscription, which starts at just $24 per month when you sign up for a year. It has beautiful templates with 100% drag-and-drop functionality for all customization tools. There's a new page builder tool called the Layout Engine that enables you to customize pages in seconds by adding blocks of content such as photos, videos, text, social media content, and immediately preview layout as you go. This makes it even easier for anyone to build a site. For a free trial, go to squarespace.com forward slash candid frame. Sign up for a free account. No credit card needed. Just try it out and start building your website today. Then if you decide to purchase it, use the offer code CANDIDFRAME3 and get 10% off your first purchase on new accounts. Includes monthly and annual plans. That's squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME3. Everything you need to create an exceptional website. Well, Martine, welcome to the Candid Frame. 
I'm very happy to talk to you. I'm, I'm very pleased to have a chance to talk to you. Um, I I have to tell you, when I was looking for photographers for this book that I was working on, uh, I, I looked at a lot of different photographers, and yours really stood out for me. I I really love images that incorporate a sense of whimsy to them, and yours certainly qualified. Um, there's so much, there's so much fun to these images. And I really love the fact that they sort of harken back to an earlier time in photography as well. That even though you're using sort of current technology to create these images, the feel of them is from really early in the history of photography. And I think that all of those elements combined together really, really fascinated me. So before we get talking about your current work, I'm really curious to know about how you became interested in, in doing photography, because this kind of work does not come to the, uh, to the uh, newly initiated in, in photography. Well, I, I take photographs uh, since my uh, parents bought me um, a little Kodak camera when I was a child, but that was a long time ago. And after that, I kept taking photos for, you know, just fun or holidays or stuff like that. And then I became more serious when uh, I was living with uh, my boyfriend, Paul, in the south of France. And uh, he's a talented artist and photographer. And we start uh, being more interested into photography. And we liked, uh, collect, liked collecting uh, old photographs, antique photographs. And mm. then um, we loved animals too. So one day uh, the dog was around and uh, we wanted both to learn how to use Photoshop. And I said, well, why not dress booty like a uh, like lady? And then that was the combination of the two. And then after that, work, discovering, tutorial on the webs. And, you know, and it, it's just work by working, really. And then I thought it was fun. That's really interesting that you're, you already had sort of a vision in mind. And then you just went and discovered how you could actually achieve that. That's really a lot of fun. How cooperative was was your dog? Because I know <laughs> that for me, trying to take a picture of just a snapshot of my, my dog can be a, a challenge. How effective was she as a model for you? She was um, she was a very good model. She was not very patient. But, uh, you know, taking a photograph at the beach because we were living close to the beach, so walking the dogs and taking photos of her at home and, you know, just sample shots of the natural dog she was. And then um, have a big, big, big collection of different expression, different light, different um, position, expression of the face because she had many. Mm-hmm. And... After that, the combination with the, the personage on the old photograph, it has to work together. So, if I may say that, the body of the person on the old photograph has to be... Oh, that's difficult to explain. Well, basically, they have to to behave the same way. Okay. I don't know how to... What, you know, but you know when it works and you know when it doesn't. Just by the way of putting the head of the dog or the cat or whatever right. on the body of the 
of the human. So in these initial images, were you combining those photographs that you made of your dog with some of the images that you had already found and then you were trying to make them fit? Is that how it started? Yes. So where would you find these these vintage images? Would you go to like in in here in in the states, you know, you can go to estate sales or garage sales or thrift shops and maybe find them. Where were you finding these these images? But quite the same way, but quite the same way. And we have uh, uh, antique markets uh, where people are selling, uh, you know, attics things and stuff like that. We call them brocantes. So by going to these uh, shows, which is for you a uh, yard sale, basically. But the, the yard sale is not private like it is in America. Mm -hmm. But the people are, are coming, for example, in a field in summer and they sell their stuff. So we can purchase from them directly or I buy a lot on the web too. Find quite good stuff on the web. Yeah. What do you find fascinating about those images even before you start incorporating your, your animal shots into you know, I, into your into your in your in your creations? What what why is there such a fascination with these older images? Because before these days when people were having a photograph of themselves, it was always a special occasion. And they were getting dressed well and uh, they were quite stiff because, uh, you know, the technique was not the technique we have now, of course. And they have to, they had to be as uh, lovely as they could be at this special event. Mm -hmm. So they are always dressed very well, even if most of the time you can't see that the clothes are very old. But anyway, they were wearing their best clothes to have this special photograph. And sometimes you have the chance to find really lovely photograph with lovely outfit and very nice details. I like that. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a testimonial from the past. Yeah, it really is. It really is. One of the things I've always been fascinated when I take a look at those images is I try to imagine what the story was of who this person was. Because when you exactly. see those images, you really don't have any idea. I mean, sometimes a few of those images may have some information written on the back of the print. And if you're lucky, you may have a name or maybe, or, or, or maybe even a year. But beyond that, you don't know. So a lot of it is kind of like open to interpretation. And exactly. you really take that to another level. So when you have one of those pictures and you know you want to do something with it, how do you sort of fit the personality that you see in that original image with the image of one of the animals that you photograph? What, what's the thought process for you? Well, I just don't know. It's just... Um by looking at the personage on the old photograph, I quite easily imagine the animal he could be. Mm, That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but this is not nasty what I'm saying. It's just, uh, I don't know, it's just a kind of feeling. And uh, on the other way, I can imagine the animal, what person it could be. For example, my dog was often a, a lady because she was a lady. Mm -hmm. I living with her. She was the, the star of the house. And, you know, I just loved her. So I want to make her as lovely as possible. So I find, a, I don't know, a hat on a photograph, an, an outfit on the other. And then I combine the two to make her looking like a lady. 
I really love that that shot. I mean, just the expression on her face is just so wonderful. It's and it looks very much like she's like a person who was photographed during that time, where she's not necessarily looking directly at the camera. She's sort of looking off axis to it, and has sort of this just poise about her in that shot and then the way that you you dress her in the photograph it just gels so so beautifully and it seems like everything about the images are seamless not just in terms of the technical stuff but like you said that joining of the animal with the with the human in these photographs it just seems like they were meant to be together yeah in a way yes you're right i agree with that I don't know. I think we all have uh, our um, animal in any of us. You are people looking more like cats than others like dogs or others even like a cow. That's not nasty once again, but mm-hmm. there is something in the, in the eyes or something in the position of, of the... Uh, it's really, really difficult to explain because it's, it's, a kind, it's more like a kind of feeling when I'm doing the image rather than, uh, oh, you will be a cow, or you will be a cat. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. It's just, when you make an image, sometimes I say, oh, this one will be a dog. But when making it, say, no, it doesn't work with the dog. So I'm trying to find another mm. animal to fit the body of the human behind. Do you actively photograph animals all the time with the intent of maybe using those images later? Or do you work and you say, okay, I have this photograph and I need to find a raccoon or I need to find a cat or I have to find a dog to to fit it? How do you choose your subjects and find your subjects so that you can put these images together? In fact, I photograph animals all the time at uh, each time I can. Friends, uh, animals, in the park, in the country, you know, anywhere. My um, uh, godmother has a farm, so sometimes I go there to take photos of uh, cows, pigs, uh, rabbits, or whatever she has. And then uh, I've got a a huge collection of uh, animals, face, wall animals, or, you know, photographs, Mm -hmm. many animals. And then I go through the collection when I want to make an image or it's the other way. I say, okay, let's choose this dog, for example, and try to find a body to go with. It works both ways. It depends on my mood. Yeah. And the photo. Well, when early on, what was what was the most difficult part of sort of being able to get it get it right? What was the biggest challenge for you in terms of creating images that you felt really really worked? At the beginning, that was to learn Photoshop because that's uh, that's a big uh, toolbox, but it's uh, it's not easy really at mm-hmm. the beginning. But after that, when you start using it quite uh, easily, it becomes that you become too you also more exigent with your work, and you've got to learn the shadows, the light. How come the light be better or the shadows be better? So you have to draw shadows, for example, put some light here, some shadow there, and then you're using masks and, uh, you know, that it's, it's just Photoshop work. And then after that, to put the image together, I use textures. Okay. Well, yeah. to the point of lighting, I think that's one of the reasons why your images are effective as they are, because it feels like these were real creatures that were dressed in these clothes 
and pose for a photographer at some point. And a lot of, a lot of that is, is the fact that you're very sensitive to the lighting. So there's, you end up matching the photograph of the animal with the lighting for the original photograph. And you can see that particularly in images where you have some shadowing, like particularly with shots with uh, the subjects you're wearing the hats and you'll get the shadows like underneath the brim of the hat. Mm -hmm. And I think that gives that, those, those, those images, a, a, a sense of reality that I yep. think a lot of people miss because they'll mix and match photographs, but they won't pay attention to what's happening in the light of the shadow. And that really is the crux of making it feel real. I think so. I think so. That's why it works really, because otherwise, uh, if you put a hat on a dog, okay, fine. But once again, like you said, if there is no shadow or no light somewhere to put the, the thing together, doesn't work. So you started working with Photoshop in terms of just creating shadows. Do you work like with a pen tool? Do you just work with a mouse? Uh, could you give me a little understanding in terms of how you create that sense of lighting? I mostly work with the, the pen tool because the, I don't really like the mouse to work on Photoshop. I think it's too rough. So I prefer the pen tool and uh, it's very precise and you can blow up your image on the screen and be really precise with the details. Mm -hmm. Tell me about working on the original image because it seems like a lot of those images are, are faded. Uh, they're cracked, they're damaged in a variety of different ways. So do you spend a good amount of time even before you've gotten your your animal subject to sort of fix and enhance the image or do you wait until you actually have an animal that you think will fit and then you'll start working on everything simultaneously oh, generally i find the animal and then i start working on the old photograph because um i don't want to to waste time repairing an old photograph if it doesn't if it's not used at the end. Mm -hmm. So I, I start the work, put the thing uh, like, a, like a sketch, if you like. You put the sketch and then you say, okay, it works, so I'm going further. And then I repair the antique photograph, uh, the cracks, the burn, the, the holes sometimes, and, you know, just to, to make it like it was uh, a new one taken today. It can take some time, a lot of uh, work. Oh yeah, I've I've, I've tried my <laughs> hand at it a couple of times. It's not my cup of tea, so I, I I greatly appreciate the kind of work involved in in being able to do that. When you first started creating these images and sharing them, I think you were posting a lot on on Flickr. Yes, I did. Tell me about you know putting it uh, out there because a previous guest that I've had, I've actually had a couple of guests who sort of that's how they're. Their careers as photographers started. They started posting them on, on Flickr and that had a huge influence, uh, on them. Tell me about that process for, for you and, and well, what was your reaction to people's reactions to these photographs? What, what were people saying when they first started seeing them? Well, it's, uh, it's very encouraging to post the work on Flickr because at the beginning uh, it was really rough and uh, the head was too big, the head was too small, but even if there were such big mistakes, uh, the people were reacting in a good way, meaning, uh, oh, it makes me laugh, oh, it makes me smile, oh, that's too lovely, oh, that's cute, you know, mm -hmm. this kind of uh, short and, and lovely comment that, that you want to, to be better, to please people, and then you work, and then you work again, and, and people are more and more 
to look at your page and to leave comments and you know mm -hmm. and it's very encouraging to work more and to work better and then as you started getting out there you know because your work has been published in different places you're you're exhibited how did you sort of bridge that that transition from being someone who just posted images on on Flickr to sort of get feedback from people and start thinking about oh maybe there's a market for this work maybe this is you know maybe people are interested in ha having prints of this work was it the fact that people started contacting you and saying they would like prints that got used into thinking about oh maybe I can do something more with this exactly people have contact me through Flipper through Flickr many times. And uh, I found an editor through the through this too, and uh, uh, also um, I've been part of a lovely exhibition in Los Angeles last year because of Flickr. They found me there, so everybody is on Flickr. I mean, uh, in the photography uh, field, I think everybody is going to browse Flickr one day, and well, I know I don't know. After that, it's just. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's great. <laughs> yeah. That must that must catch you by surprise because I, I I think it would for a lot of people where they're just doing something that they really like that they're having a lot of fun with. They put it out there and something just ends up happening. You know, you you got uh, exhibited in that, and that's where I saw your work was at the Annenberg Space for Photography. Uh, oh, for, that's where that's how I got how I got turned on initially to to your work and ended up contacting you for, for for the book. But it must be a little feel like a little bit surreal to know. Oh my God, my prints, my pictures are hanging up in a gallery in Los Angeles. Yeah, I was thrilled. Really, I got a call one day, and it was uh, Pat Lanza from the Annenberg Space of Photography, and she said, "We want you at the exhibition." I said, "Oh my God." being called from Los Angeles here, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and then um, when she told me who was exhibiting there, I had to sit down, oh. really. Because, um, well, of course, Jay, Jay Yulsman is, is the god. Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, and he's, he's very nice, by the way. He's, he's a lovely, lovely person. But um, my goddess in uh, in my work is was Maggie Taylor, mm -hmm. and uh, Maggie Taylor was there too. I said, "What me? I'm going to <laughs> to exhibit close to Maggie Taylor." Oh, I was uh, very very excited. So we have had the chance. I had the chance to spend some time with her, and um, yes, it was lovely, lovely experience. And of course, the other photographer were amazing too, but. Um, Really, Maggie was my favorite. Yeah. And there was just an amazing diversity of work. I think one of the, the things that really excites me about working on this book is that I got to see the diversity of the work that's being created out there in terms yeah. of, you know, how people are using Photoshop really creatively. Yes, and, that was amazing. And I think that that's something that often gets lost because I know a lot of people want to learn Photoshop, but it seems like people initially will revolve around just a few photographers and think, well, that's all that you can do, you know, that you can spend time just retouching images of models and so on and so forth. But when people like you do something just completely out of the box that is so creative and so imaginative, you realize, wow, there's so much potential out there. And, and I'm so pleased to see that you've, you know, this degree of success by just following something that you yourself 
are just very happy to do anyway, regardless of whether you get any acknowledgement or, or money for it. It's kind of like, this is what I love doing. Exactly. It's as simple as that. And uh, in, I've been doing this for a few years now, but at each time I'm starting a new image, I've, I've got the same pleasure to make it. So I want to, I want to go further and learn more and, you know, about uh, other techniques or the, I don't know, it's a, I've got a few ideas for quite a while and uh, I just need some time to work on to make it uh, more, I don't know, more alive, more, I just can't explain that either. Yeah. So n- now when you, when you decide to work on an image, how much time do you end up spending on it? Can it vary depending on, on the original image, the, the condition of the image and, and, and the animal? How, how long do, how long do you work on some of these photographs? I know it's going to vary widely, but I'm just kind of curious in terms of how much time you usually dedicate to, to a photograph. It's, it could take one day, it could take two days or even more. Sometimes if I'm not happy with the result, I go back to it and, uh, I may change colors, I may change uh, things, add something, remove something, you know, the background. Or I, It's just, uh, it's special to each image, really. You're represented by Getty. Was that uh, as a result of your association with Flickr that they contacted you or you contacted them in terms of being able to distribute your images that way? How did that, how did that work? Yes, it, it came through Flickr by, I've been asked to be a Getty photographer. So I said, okay, why not? But I know I'm not putting my images of animals in the, for Getty, it's just regular photography. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I, I don't want to mix the uh, work, the artwork and the photography. So I've separated the Getty photography than the, the others. So tell me about the, um, the work that you're doing for, for Getty, because that's very different from the work that you're doing here. What are some of the things that you're doing with this, these other other types of photography? Oh, it's simple photography, really uh, shot in the street, shot typically Getty shots. But I'm not setting a studio for Getty, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just uh, by um, when I'm going out or visiting something interesting or could be interesting, going to the market or whatever. It's really kind of, uh, if I may say that, boring photography. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. No, but I I get you're you're doing more sort of stock photography, so you're capturing... That's it. Stock is better than boring. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you're still a photographer when you're going out there. So how does the experience of creating two distinctly bodies of work sort of inform each other? I know sometimes I do portraiture, sometimes I do street photography. On the rare occasion, I do landscape. But it seems like a lot of things that I learned in one end up influencing how I do things with another. So has, say, for example, has the awareness that you developed about light in creating your composites informed what you end up doing when you're shooting it for yourself out in the street? I'm trying to have some uh, interesting uh, lighting on things, but sometimes it's not possible, mainly here where the weather is often gray. So you end up with, uh, you know, very flat photography. But I'm trying to go out when it's sunny, which Mm -hmm. is not often. But uh, anyway, I'm trying to make, to photograph things and make them a little more interesting than they are really. 
I don't know what, but uh, in fact, I'm very sensitive to the light. I think it's uh, half of the photography, the light. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that it's kind of neat that you came to develop that sensitivity in making composites because I think that when people make composites, they're not thinking about lighting. But once you're aware about light, it makes a, a huge difference to, to everything. Mm, I agree. So with people approaching you about how you do things, some photographers are very hesitant to share their techniques you know, because they, they want to keep that sort of close to the vest. So I'm sure you get asked a lot of questions in terms of how did you do this? How did you make this happen? What? How do you react to people sort of interested in understanding your process? I'm not saying anything. I keep all my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. But uh, really, I I don't want to say everything either because um, because I don't want to. But it's, uh, I mean, the technique is, uh, Photoshop is a, toolbox for everybody so I've developed my own technique uh, using this to create my special work of uh, animal images and uh, the technique is simple it's just masking but masking uh, is so large and uh, so powerful in Photoshop that you can use it many many ways Mm -hmm. you can use it for everything well to my point of view at least you have this uh, couple of images. There's one of uh, a man in a bow tie, but he has a, like a crocodile or alligator for a head. Yes, it's a crocodile. <laughs> crocodile. And it's just, talk about just matching. I mean, just the way the body is and the head is just, it's just wonderful. And it's one of those images that you referred to earlier in terms of your application of, of texture to the image because it's not just about you know the adjustment of color and fixing all those you know defects in the original image texture plays a real big part in the final look of your your images yes tell me about yeah yeah. tell me about how you sort of find the right texture for something because that's that's something i don't i've not really talked to anyone really about in terms of you know how texture can really be the most important finishing touch that you can apply to a composite well, really, um, textures are, um, as I said, putting the work together. But it's really this. For example, for an image I've colored, and uh, you have got the animal, and you put a texture on it, and it becomes another image. I mean, like a painting. Mm. And you've got many, many, many textures. But you just have to try which one is the best to go with this special image. There is no receipt. It's just the feeling you want to, to give to the image, the ambience you want to give, because it will change the ambience too. And uh, using the, the different blender of uh, Photoshop, or blender, I don't know if it's the name of it, but if you apply, for example, multiply or, or overlay or soft light or whatever exists on Photoshop, mm-hmm. you will have, uh, you will get a, a very different result. And then you can combine uh, more one texture there, one other one there, a part of one here. You know, you can compose your image with textures in many, many different ways. There is no receipt and there is no end. It's it's infinite. Mm-hmm. Do you go, go out and actively photograph subjects for, for texture alone or do you simply use what's available to you in software? I'm using only the flight paper textures. Paul is making them with Jill, and uh, I think they are the best on the web because the size is huge, 
you can work on big size uh, photographs and the quality is very good and you've got a very nice uh, rounder with all the whatever you want to do they have a texture for it put it that way yeah of some of the images that you've posted recently which one do you feel like you accomplished the most because i know that for me there's certain images that I really love, not just because they're a good image, but just because I felt like I was challenged in some way and I ended up making it happen. And, was, and I had a feeling of satisfaction going, oh, I pulled it off. Do you have one or two images that you can talk about where you felt that, that experience? Well, my, one of my favorite images, uh, the one of my dog, Buddy, with a hat on and she's smiling. Mm -hmm. It's the image of happiness when she... She was happy, and she's, this woman is just happy. She's posing with a hand cross on the, on the knee, you know, just like that. And uh, she's just happy, and she wants to share happiness with everybody on this photograph. So I love that. I love that one. It's one of my favorites. I like the boss, too, the one with the crocodile. Uh -huh. Because when I was making it, I was thinking oh, about somebody uh, who is not looking like the boss. But... Uh, who is a boss too and who who is acting like a crocodile. So, you know. <laughs> but anyway, I don't want to give any name, of course, but I was thinking about this person and it made me laugh when I made it. So, yeah, that's enough. Got it. <laughs> that's funny. Some of the images that I really like are the ones where you have multiple figures in the frame. Like they may have originally been a father and a son or sisters that were together. And it's really interesting when you, when you have two different characters, because almost immediately you're trying to make the assumption of what, what is the relationship here? Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and the, and the fact is that you don't have the faces of the people to use as a reference anymore. So you're just left to this, these, seeing these, these faces of animals and it adds something a little more extra to it in terms of how you try to read a photograph. But animals have uh, expression, many, many expression when you just watch them acting in their regular life of dog, for example. A dog has many faces in a, Many expressions, the eyes are not, uh, you know, it can, the brows can be higher than the other, mm -hmm. it can be like this, it can smile, it can, you know, there is many, many, it can be sad, uh, many expressions. So after that, you've got to find the right expression for this special photograph in function of what you want to, to, to make people feel when you can get it. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like those images where you have like multiple people in them, like there's one here that is like two cats and it looks like it's a, a two schoolgirls. One's hold, holding like a hula hoop and another one is like holding a ball. Yeah. It's the good, good kids. The good kids. Yeah. The kids are dressed for summer. You know, at this time, well, I mean, when the photograph was taken, uh, people were addressing the children for to go to to church or whatever they they, they go to on, or in the park only for a walk on Sunday, and children were was well dressed. But you know, children they always have uh, chocolate on their t-shirts or whatever. And these two, I suppose, the photograph was taken just before they go out. Then they are still clean. Mm -hmm. So, and when you see two kittens. Kittens are playing all the time. So if you imagine kittens are, uh, are children, that's the same. They, you know, they can be messy very 
very quickly going, uh, I don't know, in a, in a green plant in the, in the house or whatever, and then it become a mess really, really quickly. I suppose this photograph was taken before they go out on a Sunday. It's just imagination. <laughs> uh, tell me about how you're marketing these these images in terms are they finding homes like in calendars and postcards and in in books where uh, other than you know your initial forays in terms of sharing them on Flickr in terms of the fine art market for this work how are you how are, the, how are these images getting out there so um, it, it became a postal card I had a publisher in France. They were making a sort of notebooks, postal cards, and uh, even a little um, medal for a necklace, mm -hmm. and, uh, and a, a mirror with uh, with my dog behind. And also uh, from the publisher of postal card, also in uh, Germany. And now I'm I'm working with um, a company in Paris who is uh, making uh, luxurious uh, throw pillows for sofas. And uh, my images, it's not out yet, it's just, uh, it's, it's not yet, but mm -hmm. um, it's printed on velvet and will be sold uh, very soon on the web and uh, a bit later this year for around the world. Yeah. So, yeah. In, in terms of building those relationships, how, how are they happening? Are you a actively pursuing these people? Are they finding about you and approaching you about licensing your images? How how is that? How is that working? Because a lot of people will make wonderful images, but they never really find a, a market for them, even with respect to selling prints. But you know, a lot of people are maybe curious as to how are you? How is that happening for you? For me, it's happening both ways because if you if you stay on your chair and waiting to for things to happen, you can wait for a long time. So it happened to me because I was lucky, but I have to to go on and try to find myself some other companies to work with or some of the publishers or whatever they are to make my work going on further. And uh, so, the, for example, the cushion company, I found them uh, on Facebook. A friend of mine uh, knew about this company, and she asked me, uh, do you know them? I said, oh, no, I don't know them. Well, I tried to contact them on, on Facebook, asking if they are in need of new designer. And they said, yes, we love your work, and we want to work with you. That was as simple as that. Wow. And then um, my next step, I would love to make a book, but I need publishers. So publishers, if you are listening to me, <laughs> give me a call. <laughs> yeah, because I think your, your work is just perfectly suited for a lovely coffee table book. For anyone who like loves animals or loves photography, it just seems like the perfect blend of all those, of all those things. Yeah, but I think it could please everybody in the family, from the child to the grandfather, really, because animals are eternal and universal, as these old photographs are, and they are, once again, a testimonial of the past, and, uh, you know, I think, it's, yes, it would be a good, good, good coffee table book. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been active in terms of finding um, representation for if galleries and for selling prints outside of what you've been doing in Flickr, or is that... Because we, we mentioned the Annenberg uh, Space for Photography event, but have you done anything sort of subsequent, uh, subsequently from there with respect to getting your images ex exhibited? 
No, I must say that I may should have, but I didn't. But of course, I'm open to any other exhibition in, in Los Angeles or California or even America elsewhere, anywhere. And um, I'm open, but I didn't uh, because it, you know, it's it's not as easy as it seems because, if, well, France and America are quite far away. It's difficult for me to go there and spend some time to browse galleries. I just can't do it. And doing it through the internet is just, uh, it's too much, really. And uh, people at the other end, I mean, in America, must see so much work. And uh, I think you need to see the, both the work and the person to, I mean, for a gallery. I don't know if I explain. No, I, yeah, I completely understand that, yeah. What What's the reaction of your, like your friends and family to your work? It's always, some uh, for, for me, a lot of times, family just doesn't ever get it. They go, oh, that's very cute. Oh, that's very nice. And they don't really sort of appreciate it. Has that been the case for, for, for you? Uh, well, uh, my mother is my best, uh, uh, you know, she, she loves it. She's got uh, them everywhere at her place. Maybe too much, maybe, but well, anyway, she loves them. So, uh, my mother, my son, of course, is encouraging me. Paul is still encouraging me. And, uh, he's, uh, he's got a very good eye. So he's very, um, very fussy. And sometimes we have uh, quite arguments about that. <laughs> oh, your, your light is not good. Oh, that one is, is well, you know what. And, but um, my family is uh, quite receptive to my work and uh, they all have something of mine in their, in their home. So I'm lucky. <laughs> Do you find that the community that revolved around your work in uh, Flickr, in terms of the relationships that you were able to build, how, how important were they? In, in your development as a as a photographer and as an artist, uh, it's more like a kind of friendship with some people rather than um, they are encouraging me by complimenting my images. That's very nice of them. Mm -hmm. But after that, um, I mean, uh, I became friend with some of them, really friends, and then for the others, is they are just contact and uh, we we exchange on Flickr. But I must say that I'm not often on Flickr these days because I've got no time. But, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good thing. I mean, you're out there being creative and making images, which is, I think, more important than anything. Yeah, because Flickr is uh, it's very consuming, time-consuming. I mean, uh, when you go there, you put your finger and the body is following. It's, it's just uh, you, you can spend two hours and really browsing. It's nice, but when you do that, you do nothing. Yeah, you're not out there shooting, making your own pictures. Mm -mm. I agree. <laughs> well, my, my last question that I ask each guest is, is I ask them to recommend a single photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? Oof, that's difficult. Well, you can check uh, Paul's work, by the way. It's... Um is a photographer for Getty and he's got a Flickr site which is Paul Grant and you by browsing on Flickr you will find him with no problem and he's using a lot of uh, his textures of course and he's, uh, he's very good at selling book covers around the world on Getty <laughs> How do you spell his last name? Uh, Grand G-R-A-N-D Okay 
I'll, I'll provide a link for, for that on the, on the blog yeah. page for the candor frame. So where can people go to look at more of your work and, and to see everything that you're doing? Well, they can join the Facebook fan page where I post uh, a lot of work and also cute animals every day. I think people like that. I've got a lot of uh, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I'm trying to have a nice and cute ambience on the page and fr- very friendly where people can exchange and, uh, you know, um, anything is possible and as you- long as it's nice. And you have a website too, right? Yes, I've got a blog. I've got a blog, which is uh, martinrockstudio.com. Uh, .com. Yeah. Well, you Google it and you will find it easily. All right. Well, Martin, thank you so much for appearing on the show. I really enjoyed having the chance to, to talk to you. And thank you again for being so generous, including your work in, in the book. That was very nice of you to choose me, Baryonyx. And... Uh, I was very, very happy to talk to you tonight. The Candid Frame is supported by donations from people just like you. You can help support the work we do here by visiting the website at thecandidframe.com and contributing using PayPal. You can also support the show by writing a review in the iTunes Music Store or by adding a link to the podcast on your website or blog. The editor for this show is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. Music is by Kevin McLeod, and this is Ibadian X, and this is The Candid Frame. <laughs>